Ron Ananian. Big news out of GM this week. Out of Detroit, GM is laying off uh, 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 you know, 15% of its workers and, and closing five plants here in North America. And while they're living up on Wall Street in that New York City town, here in the real world, they're shutting Detroit Car doctor. Both Ford and General Motors have said that they have taken about a billion dollar hit, or at least they're booking a billion dollars in losses for the full year as a result of the steel and aluminum tariffs. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ronnie Nadine, the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. The car doctor's 24-7 phone number here at your service. You're ready to do whatever it takes to fix and solve your problem. 855-560-9900. Had a great week at the shop. Busy, busy, busy. Fixing a bunch of cars. Um, you know, learning new things every day. And I'm going to transfer that over here on radio over the course of the next two hours and beyond, hopefully, to, uh, to you. Because I want you to understand what it is mechanics go through. And if you're a mechanic... Maybe we can exchange some ideas and talk a little bit about, hey, maybe what you do has a better point of view than I do, and so on and so forth. I am uh, greeted through the looking glass by the often imitated, never duplicated, no phony, the real deal, made of steel, Mr. Thomas Ray. How are you today, Tom? Mm, doing well, doing well. Uh, it started out sunny today. I wonder what happened to the sun. Mm, it was a pleasure seeing you the other night. Yes, yes, we um, had a great, great time at the WTBQ party. I'm yep. uh, surprised they didn't throw us out. Yeah, well, I, I, I got to tell you, it was really, um, uh, and they weren't my relatives. They really weren't. But I thought it was great, right? When I saw you <laughs> selling tickets outside. Now, be honest. <laughs> but the look on your face when that one, when, when Fran, Fran Sinclair came up and she said, "He's the funniest guy on radio." You were just like ready to boot her off the out the door. Yeah, exactly, because I work with you. I know better. <laughs> See, somebody gets my sense of humor. Not that I'm really that funny. It's more mechanical, but um, I thought that was great. It was a great time. WTBQ, one of our affiliates, put on a great show, and we were uh, close enough we attended, and uh, we thanked them for that great Christmas party up there. Um, definitely a radio station like all of our affiliates. They just get it, right? It's it's just good, solid radio, and that's... That's what radio's about, folks. It's not about that corporate thing. So, But anyway, we're uh, here to talk about cars and, and the problems. I want to talk a little bit real quick before we get over to the busy phones. Uh, just a little bit, you know, the technology and the power of technology. Had a 2016 F-250 in the shop this week that it needed a part I couldn't identify. And I'm going to describe it to you this way. Between the front wheels, there is a lower steering tie rod assembly it's almost like a track bar you could call it um you know sometimes it's re referenced as a tie rod sometimes it's referenced as a steering coupling but it was really hard to id there was a choice in question about whether it was an inch and three sixteenths thread or an inch and nine sixteenths thread it was just too many choices and no clear-cut information kudos to the guys at ford Googled Ford Parts, went to parts.ford.com. Could also find it vis-a-vis -vis the Motocraft website. Uh, but parts.ford.com or Ford.com in terms of you want to get out to their parts. You can actually go into it and do a search. Now, I, I was able to register as an independent repair shop. 
at parts.ford.com, and now it knows who I am and what I'm looking for when I go back. It remembers me. But I was able to go into 2016 Ford F-250. I actually gave it the VIN and identified it by VIN, so it's, it, it, it necks it down to be in a very accurate you know, identification. And you go into steering. Great pictures, right? It's like you're. It's it's almost like you're looking at the dealer, and I'm assuming this. I haven't seen a dealer parts catalog in a in a while, but you know the quality of the pictures, and yeah, you need this steering linkage assembly. Boom, boom, boom. Pick out your parts. Takes you right to them. I I just I thought, you know, five years ago you couldn't do this stuff, and forget twenty years ago. But it's nice to see that as the technology of the car improves and the the difficulty, the degree of difficulty of, of, of repairing them goes up, obviously, because of the technology, the technology is actually being applied to help us find the repair pieces. Never mind the information. Information's a uh, part of the battle, but just finding the right parts and identifying them so that you can order them. We were able to order them from, the, at least I could call up my Ford dealer and say, hey, I need this number because I was able to find it on, on the website, and it helps the guy on the other side of the phone, um, which is which is important, too. How many times as an independent repair shop, you call up and you say, I need this washer or I need this coupling, and, you know, no fault of the parts guy. He can't identify it because of all the possibilities and all the options that are out there. You know what? When it comes to Ford, I've now got the upper hand, parts.ford.com. Excellent job, and um, kudos to them. We thank you for that. Let's kick the garage doors open. Let's go up to Tim in Florida, in or down in Florida, as it might be, and uh, 96 Ford F-150. Tim, welcome to the car, doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, so I have uh, two questions for sure. you. Sure, two for uh, nickel. First of all, today, actually, um, I was driving my truck, and I noticed when I was coming out of a store, I noticed there was a lot of liquid coming out from uh, the passenger side up forward, uh, up almost by the firewall. Okay. And so it was. It had a good little puddle on the ground, and um, it wasn't water because my AC ha- hasn't really worked or hasn't worked at all in a while, so I don't even turn it on anymore. And it's too, too hot down here to use heat. Um, the liquid was green. I touched it. It wasn't hot. Uh, it was just, I mean, like it was warm, like, but it wasn't hot. Right. Um, it doesn't. It didn't really have a smell. It wasn't really. It was like kind of like consistency of water. Um, so I was concerned that it was um, like a, a coolant, but it wasn't because I checked the reservoir, and the reservoir still had coolant in it. Um, also, I've been. I drove my truck about sixty miles after that, and it didn't overheat at all. Normal operating temperature. Um, and I'm just wondering. I can smell it in the cab of the truck. What does it smell? Um, what, is, what does it smell like, Tim? I don't know. It's like super distinct. Uh, is it, I is, it, is, it a, is it a sweet smell? Yeah, I know. Like the coolant is supposed to smell sweet, and yeah. it smells sweet inside the truck. Right. But when I actually dip my fingers in it to smell it, it doesn't have any smell. Okay. Um, so that's it, why I'm not really sure what it is. I'm nervous driving, but it hasn't overheated. And if it's just an air conditioning thing. Like windows work fine. I'm not really huge. Yeah. I'm fixing the AC right I, now. I mean, if it's if it's green, Tim, if it's green, it sure sounds like coolant. All right. Does the okay? And let me let me ask the question this way: Does the coolant or whatever you saw on the ground, does the color of that match what's in the coolant overflow tank or radiator? Ninety six. Ninety six should not be. I'm trying to remember if that was Ford Gold at that time. And I don't think so. I don't believe Ford Gold 
uh, gold-colored coolant came out until later in the 90s and the early 2000s. Does, does what's on the ground match what's in the, in the system that you can see? It doesn't look like it. When I looked in the coolant reservoir, um, it was pretty dirty, and I should probably clean that, but um, it didn't look blue to me at all. Um, I didn't open the radiator because the truck was still warm, and I right. didn't want to burn myself. Right. Um, so I'm gonna I'm on my way home now, and I'm going to open up the radiator once the truck cools down to see um, if there was a loss of coolant, but it didn't look blue, or I'm sorry, excuse me, it didn't look green. Is it? Um, is it? Is it constantly dripping? I mean, is it a, is it a constant leak out that bottom yeah. area of the firewall? So it's just a drip, drip, drip. Yeah, it's drip, drip, drip. Okay, yeah. um, it, it's probably coolant, brother. There's just there's just not much else it's going to be there. All right, it's okay. it's likely coolant, which in all probability is going to become a heater core that has to be replaced. And you know, if the if the system is really dirty and contaminated, your overall concern has to be if the if the heater core is rotted and it's starting to seep or leak then what's the rest of the system like and, yeah you know high mileage truck 96 it's 22 years old 23 years old lots of miles uh i mean it's only got 117 okay not a lot you've owned it since no 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 i wish yeah. um i've owned it for about six months now all right so you know be mindful about you know, cooling system repairs are a lot like plumbing. First we fix this pipe, then we fix that pipe, <laughs> and then the next pipe yeah. starts to leak. So be be cautious and mindful about throwing money at this. And I'm not saying it's not worth doing, but it, it could be the tip of what's to come. You know? Okay. So, so so just be aware of that. It really has nothing to do with my AC not working then. It's definitely a cooling issue. If If it's green... Coolant, coolant, you know, or AC refrigerant won't drip. It's a gas. It's going to evaporate. It's and it's going to be gone okay. relatively quick. All right. If if it's if it's not working, then yeah, it's not water. Um, it sure sounds like a coolant drip to me. The one thing you could try, all right. And again, this depends on you know when you get home and let it cool down, and maybe tomorrow morning take the radiator cap off and see what does the level in the radiator look like. If it's really low, because sometimes it takes a while for that air bubble to to pass through, all right, to, okay. to allow the level to drop down. Um, if it's really low and the radiator looks really cruddy, maybe you drain the radiator, get out as much, you know, dirty, contaminated coolant as you can. It'd be nice if you had a coolant flush machine. I realize you won't. Um, and then when you refill it, add a little K-Seal. You hear me talk about K-Seal on, on the show all the time. I use it in the shop, yeah. all right? K-Seal, I believe it's kseal.com. You can read about it. It's got great ceramic technology, not to make it sound like a commercial, but it's the truth. It really does work. And, you know, here's a classic example. Here's a 22-year-old vehicle, 100,000-plus miles. Are we going to start to replace every cooling system component in it, or are we going to try some form of a, of, of a reasonable uh, leak preventative or a leak sealer that'll give you another couple of years right. with it. Um, because, right. you know, if we start adding up a radiator and, 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 you know, heaven forbid, freeze out plugs in the block and now a heater core, all of a sudden we're going to exceed the cost of the truck. You probably paid a couple right. thousand bucks for the truck, right? Not even. Right, yeah. So this is a, this is a $1,500 vehicle. Um, you know, wh what are we going to do, put $3,000 in it? That doesn't make any sense either. Right. So then what... Is there a reason then if I'm if it is coolant 
then is there a reason why I'm not overheating? I mean, I, I drove it. Like I said, I drove it about 60, 70 miles. Hasn't tripped down far uh, enough yet. Okay. You know, it hasn't, well, it, it hasn't dropped level enough yet. You know, it, do you think it was? A, do you think it's a quart on the ground? Do you think it's two quarts on the ground? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, right. I let it sit for a while. Um, but I mean, like I'm actually looking at it now and it's already dripping. It's been dripping the entire right. time I was driving. It. Right. Drips. You know, everybody says to me, oh my gosh, it, and I've got to be quick here. It, you know, everybody says, oh my gosh, I've got this leak and it must be a gallon. You know, we'll see a pint of oil run out of a motor and we'll know because the motor will be down a pint up to a quart and that up to a quart of an oil leak will be on the back bumper dripping. <laughs> you know, a quart of fluid in the windstream really drags a long way, and it makes a lot bigger mess than you stop to think about it. So take a look at it when you get home. Tell me what it looks okay. like, and we can talk about it next week. All right, kiddo? All right. Thank you. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. I'm Ron Anani and the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Malakilikimaka is a thing to say on a bright wild Christmas day. You know, the sound of that music can only tell me one thing. RA Automotive West Coast, way West Coast, is on the phone next He's up. He's back. He's back. Walt from Maui. Walter. Hey, good morning, Ron. How are you, sir? Um, you know, I, 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 I'm a little worried that I understand your sense of humor, and I'm worried about that. <laughs> you know, Walter, Walter writes me an email today, folks, or this week, and he's right, Ron, I don't want to be a pest. And he, 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 we're talking about his Volkswagen, and then he writes me another email because I forgot to. Walter, you got to understand, when I get your emails, it's, it's very early in the morning. So to, to be honest with you, I've got an iPad set up when I'm shaving, and I'm, I'm shaving, and I'm reading the news, and I'm reading my emails while I'm shaving, and I'm working on car problems. Literally, I really am. Or I'm doing it late at night. So a lot of times when you send me an email with a, with a question, sometimes I think I've answered it, but I fall asleep at my desk, and I wake up, and I go, <laughs> did I answer Walter or not? And I'm like, yeah, I don't remember. I'll look in the morning, and then I forget. So don't ever take it personal, brother. Um, okay. Well, so, so, I, I just I know I'm a pest, no, but I'm just hoping you, you know, can tolerate that. No, nah, I can tolerate that. Listen, I've been bugged by the best of them, working with Tom Ray for the better part of 20 years. So, um, what's going so, on? Well, I, I followed your instructions from the last time. You know, we're still trying to trace. I'm still trying to trace down that uh, PO's 098 right. on the Volkswagen. Right. <clears throat> and your last suggestion was to put a meter on it and drive it with a Mini Max. And you explained to me how to connect that and everything. And I followed your instructions, and I'm 99.7% sure I did it exactly like you said. I'm sure you did. Uh, with the only difference was I had to, I couldn't back probe the one wire. I had to pierce it because it, uh, I was afraid I'd depen it right, because it right. was such a small opening. Gotcha. But other than that, I did everything I think correctly. And what happened is I got a, a minimum voltage of, of 0 0.97 and a maximum voltage of 3.6. But it did, it did return the uh, PO098. And so it's not the the ECM is not supposed to do anything unless it reads over five volts, and it never did. But I still got the uh, you know the check engine light. I'm wondering, and I've, and I've got a couple of thoughts here, Walter. I I'm wondering if we've got a bad, but you see, if we had a bad engine ground, you would think at one point, yes, you would think that a bad engine ground would give you more than just one erroneous fault code. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you don't want to think too far outside the box, but that's that's a possibility. All right, so I want you to go through. You've got access to a wiring diagram. 
Yes, I do. Not very clear, but it's a German one. But yeah, it's with that. I mean, with, it's a Volkswagen one. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I, with, I do. With, with that, with the tracking, the way they do the track system, which will make you nuts yeah. if you're not used to it. Yeah, it does. Um, you can actually, you know, maybe this is a car you want to log in and look at Mitchell and buy a subscription to Mitchell for this car and write it off in the cost of the repair. But, you know, the folks at Mitchell DIY, Mitchell does a great job of, of rewriting um, factory wiring diagrams. And they'll, oh, you sent me one once. It was yeah. so much better yeah. than the factory one. I, I mean, they'll just it just it just puts it into English. Um, but the reason I think you want a subscription for this one is it may take a while to find what you're looking for because you want to be able to mm-hmm. look and see. You want to look at power and ground distribution, and wherever they say the individual grounds are, in particular, I would tell you to voltage drop the grounds to make sure there's no corrosion or high resistance um, at those grounds. Now, did, on that same line, you run. I, uh, on one of the things you sent me is suggested running an auxiliary ground to both the MAF and the uh, IAT, which I did, and so it's it's got a solid ground to the okay. bat- directly okay. to the battery negative post. But now, what if the ECM? And again, this is the gee. If the ECM had the erroneous ground, you would think. Well, I checked. I checked it with the um, uh, my probe. You know the. Right. Um, what is the hell's it called? <laughs> you know what I mean. You got me on that. Which what? Which Walter? The the DVOM or? No, no, my. Um, uh, I'm sorry, the probe. Yeah. You know my uh, the one that I don't know how to use basically, but I can check grounds and right. voltage with it. Right. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, <laughs> well, let's let's. I'll tell you what, Walter. Let's do this. Check the ECM. Just just voltage drop the ECM for ground. All right, just okay. just to be sure. That's number one. Number two, okay. go look up the, the the trouble code diagnosis for a P0097 intake air temp sensor low. All right. Okay. In that test, if you go down far enough, they tell you to bridge the connector of the of the I of the IAT sensor um, harness, and they mm-hmm. talk about if the indication on the scan tool goes to 140 degrees Celsius. And the diagnosis, if the indication goes, at one point they tell you to do it the other way, and it should go to minus 40 degrees Celsius. What they're doing is they're having you test the extreme range of the harness that the PCM can interpret. Do you, under, do you understand? Yes, sort, I do. Sort of what we were doing by, by jumpering it, or some, sort of what we were doing by watching it. All right? Um, and and that's, that's kind of where this is at. I mean, I agree. I saw your notes that it, it doesn't go below 0.9 and it doesn't go over 3.6, which at first glance sounds wrong. We've got to find out what's the minimum, what's the maximum. On a 5-volt circuit, typically everything goes to 4.5 volts. So to me, your, your voltage signal is low. It's low on the one end and high on the other. And the, the, you know, it's, it starts out at four point six, right? But it you never, know, in the signal wire. Okay, so it, so it's working from high to low. Yeah, I mean, for, it's four four point six both at the sensor and at the ECM. But as the car the sensor the, disconnected, and that, so that would be the signal coming out of the ECM. Okay, but as the car warms up, it okay. You know what, Walter? We're gonna have to get. Welcome back. We're on the end of the car doctor. Let's get over and talk to Tim in Paradise, California. Tim, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. I wanted to share some uh, stories from the campfire in Paradise, California. Yeah, tragedy, man. I'm telling you, I've got I've got friends out in uh, 
um, out in that area. And uh, Mark lives in Thousand Oaks. And uh, I get pictures from Mark from time to time. And it's like, here's my house and here's the fire a mile away when it was going on. So it's scary stuff. Um, yeah, so. those those two fires, the one uh, down there in the Malibu area, and, and it moved it moved inland. Um, we're going on simultaneously, so Cal Fire was you know fighting two major wildfires uh, during the same period. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we, I you know I um, where I live in Chico, the fire came within about three miles, and um, you know I just wanted to speak about. The escape was made by auto for everybody, and um, it just wanted to kind of go over it. I don't judge any of the choices people made, as long as they were courteous to others in their escape. You know, uh, um, I don't want to pick that over, but you know, there's some advice out there on the internet on what to do with the in the wildfire situation when you're, you're trapped in a car and. Right. Um, maybe get your insights at what caused some of the cars to um, cease running. Um, the highway patrol to clear the road for the emergency responders to get in there after the escape took out. I mean, there was a, what they, they have two lanes in to paradise and two lanes out normally, but they had worked out the situation where it'd be contraflow where all four lanes would be going out in an emergency and they would evacuate by zones but that plan fell apart because the fire was too fast moving. There's a, a gap in the mountains near paradise called the Yarbo gap. And it generates 40, 50 mile an hour winds when you can't even see the leaves moving nearby on the Valley floor. Right. Yeah. So, you know, there were so many things being quantified, like the fire going a hundred yards in one second uh, or, or one minute. And, um, you know, that, the time to escape most people got was a frantic call from somebody down in the flatlands or somebody that, you know, could get the vantage point to see how bad it was. Um, and I've met dozens of people that drove out of it. And uh, Let me tell you how serious, you, you know, Mark, I'm sorry, Tim, I'm thinking about my friend Mark. You, you know, Tim, let me tell you how serious I take this call, all right? So a, a little side story. We've got a listener in upstate New York who's actually yelling at Tom and I because we won't let him on air. And yep. we won't let him on air because he wants to talk about he's got a Cummins diesel with 18-year-old batteries in it that still starts every day. <laughs> and he's he's angry at us because we're telling people, you know, listen, my belief is a battery's rated for four to five years, six at most. Yep. Change the battery when the rating time is up. You know, I'm not I'm not here to sell batteries. I'm not I don't get any of that money. Um, you know, and it's not, I'm not going to retire on selling batteries to a customer anyway. But my job is to keep people safe in their car, because just like in Paradise, just like in Thousand Oaks, I mean, here's a life and death situation. You depend on that car to be reliable. Um, you know, I, I never want to put anybody on air that wants to talk about, hey, I was the one guy that got 18 years out of a battery. I don't think that's a valid argument. I don't think that's a conversation to have. People depend on their vehicles, not just for transportation and, 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 and pleasure, but it becomes life and death at times. To get somebody to a hospital, to get away from a forest fire, to get through bad weather, to get to go see a loved one who's, on, who's, who, who's sick or ailing or passing. You know, it's, it's, it's serious stuff. And I've, I've, I've got to think, and I was, I was talking to Tom about this before air today, because we, were, we, were, we expected your call, obviously. 
What happened to all those cars with start-stop technology that were sitting in the traffic, right, trying to leave um, Paradise and, and, and Thousand Oaks? And how many hours were the how many hours were the traffic jams, Tim? It took five hours to go 17 miles um, for many, many people. We're talking thousands of people experienced that. Others got out early, right. so late that right. they didn't have to wait that time. Mm-hmm. But when I woke up that morning, my house faces south. I could see there was going to be a problem, and I went to Costco to fill up. I only had a quarter tank, and other people were doing the same. Well, the people up in Paradise didn't have that luxury because the cell sites got burned up and the GPS didn't work, and the pumps went off because the, the main lines were, were being shut down right. and, or, or coming down. And so now you're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, people were driving convertibles that morning. I, uh, a woman, um, a friend of a friend, uh, her hair was catching on fire literally, you know, from the embers coming down and burning through the roof. She had to abandon her car. She got picked up by a guy in a rock crawler. It wasn't even street legal. It's like a Toyota with a jacket up, or it's like a spider. <laughs> it's big right. um, suspension. Yeah. Yeah, and um, people escaped on go-karts. This is the kind of emergency it was. BMW motorcycle with side bags, um, uh, Harley Davidsons. I mean, it RVs. It was get out. It was get out any way you can, and I suppose no amount of auto maintenance could really get you prepared for something like that. You know, it's 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 easy to look back now and say, all right, everybody that got their vehicle out, um, you know, change the air filter, uh, change the oil, go through because I can't imagine all the ash floating through the air and being sucked into the engine and sitting in traffic five hours to go seventeen miles. Uh, you know, that's that's 17 minutes at 60 miles an hour here in Jersey, if you can get up to 60, if you can get up to below 60. Um, it depends on which road you're on. They're trying to kill you at 80. Um, but, you know, it's it's the point becomes it's it's very important to be ready with the vehicle. And, you know, if you want my opinion, there's no way you can, you know, Tim, there's no way you could circumvent or imagine a disaster like that happening. But, uh, you know, when I was a kid, when I was 11 and 12, and I was a Boy Scout, Pack 197, you know, fire patrol. Um, flaming arrows is actually what we were. Uh, you know, it was all about being prepared. And I, you really got to be prepared for something like this because you never know when it's not going to be, you know, right. And you've got that moment to get the vehicle, you know, safe and ready. Uh, and, and and my concern is there's too many people out there that think like this fellow. Hey, listen, you know, he wants to run his batteries 18 years before he changes them. It's a Cummins diesel. If it doesn't start, maybe it's in his driveway. Maybe he's running around his backyard. You know, maybe it doesn't matter for him, but for the person that's got to get the pregnant wife to the hospital or or the, or the hurt child or go pick up their kids at school, um, you know, it just it just it just doesn't make any sense. Hey, Tim, stay put. I'm gonna I want to talk to you. I got a couple more questions. Let me pull over and take a pause, and when we come back, we'll finish this up. I'm Ron and Andy in the Car Doctor. We're talking about the recent fires in Paradise in Southern California. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. <laughs> Got my first real six string Bought it at the five and done Played it till my fingers bled Was a summer of 69 Hey, welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. We are talking to Tim from Paradise, California. We've turned into a little bit of a mini-interview talking about the tragedy out there, the, the, the recent campfire and 
um, everything else that's going on in Southern California. Tim, uh, you know, from an automotive perspective, and uh, the, the 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 tragedy of this at a human level is is beyond my comprehension. I think a lot of us we just we just can't really imagine what you know the magnitude of this to wake up one day and walk out your front door and they say it's 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 like Armageddon happened right in front of your house. You know, you start thinking about from an automotive perspective. My question is. You know, how many cars didn't make it out? How many cars need to be replaced? Were there dealers, you know, like car dealerships and auto... There had to be car dealerships and auto repair shops in the way of these fires, right? These buildings that were damaged? There there were a couple of used car dealers up there. It's Northern California, by the way. Um, Some of them burned up. Some of them didn't. There was uh, a few commercial locations that, that survived. You know, the CHP took 200 cars off the main drag. Um, that had ceased to run, and 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 I kind of wanted to pick your brain on what do you think made one car stop running and the other one not? You know, ruling out gasoline. And people said their cars stalled, not ran out of gas. Nope, very few of them mentioned you know that gas was a, the cause of the car stop running. I've I've got to think that the biggest issue is just air intake. And, you know, if gasoline was available and, and the car stopped, it's going to come down to a couple of things in my mind. Cleanliness of the air. Uh, there's only so much contamination a mass airflow sensor can take, and there's only so much dirt an air filter, even brand new, can hold back. You know, after a while, it's going to become saturated to a point that it just can't, it can't do it, and it's going to be overcome. And then you've got to stop to think. It would be interesting to see of those cars that stopped, what were the maintenance records on them? How well were they maintained? If they had air filters in them or recent air filters, were they good quality air filters? A lot of these things come into play. Uh, you know, and then we get into what was the overall condition of the electrical system, the charging system. How well were the batteries taken care of? Yeah, that's another thing about batteries, right? Not to beat not to beat the horse dead, but a battery in a vehicle today is not just for starting. It's an electrical reservoir. It it you know, when the charging system has excess, it's a place for the charging system to use as an electrical shock absorber so there's no surges and spikes in the system, in a sense, so that it, it, it protects the electronics on the vehicle. I mean, a lot of factors come into play. Uh, you know, but yeah. listen, it still comes back to what they said to me, like I said before. You know what? Be a good scout. Be prepared. It doesn't take much to be prepared today when it comes to an automobile. And I realize it's not in everybody's budget, and, and that's unfortunate and and. You know, how do you work around that? But the fact is, it seems like natural nat- natural tragedies are getting to be a more common thing in the world we live in today, and uh, we've just got to be we just got to be better prepared. I'm curious from a car collector point of view. I, I I you know not to turn it into this, but you just wonder how many collectibles went up. All right. I mean, never mind the tragedy, and not not to minimize it, but the, the tragedy of the human loss of life. But um, you know, the collectibles, the collectible cars that didn't that didn't get out, and uh, you know, things like that. You just start to think about it from so many angles. Um, you know, the loss that a tragedy like this creates. It's it's just it's just a horrible, horrible thing. I can't I can't imagine it. And then I can't. You know, as a, as a closing note, we talk about start stop technology. So what happened? In that 17-mile, five-hour escape, if you were in a late-model vehicle with start-stop technology, start, crawl 20 feet, shut off, start, crawl 10 feet, shut off, start, crawl 2 feet, shut off, how does the car survive that? And, and, exactly. You know, and, and, and 
to me, that's why I think the start-stop technology, it's another reason why I think it's a problem. Because it's not going to be a fire. You know, it's not going to be a fire every time. It's We recently had snow here in New Jersey, and our governor did such a great job of prepping the roads, like the New York governor, that um, the, the normal 20-minute commute turned into five, six hours for a lot of people because the roads weren't prepared, and everybody was sitting in traffic, and nobody knew how to get anywhere. There were no plows out. There were no salters out. And how many people in start-stop technology vehicles that start-stop, start-stop? It's not good for the car. It's not good for the battery. It's not good for the starter. Ultimately, it's not good for the pocketbook, and that's, you know. Um, Which car would you have taken, the 72 Monte Carlo or your new family car you just purchased if you were going to drive out through the Inferno? Boy, i got to tell you, that's a tough call. Um, only because I wouldn't want the money. Well, let's see. I guess it, it would have to be which car that I want to leave behind. Um, I don't know. I'd probably stay and go up with the cars. I don't think I could make that choice, Tim. I really couldn't. Uh, you know, I really couldn't, man. I'd, 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 st- I'd be that dope that wanted to stay back with the water hose and try and protect the compound. So I was, I was curious enough. I went to the Walmart evacuation center where the cars of people that, that didn't make it to a hotel or anything, where they all gathered initially. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw some quote-unquote beaters. The earliest thing that went out, a guy towed a, a trailer out with a 1950s pickup truck. Well, you know what? And it's those things It's those things from the past that, yeah, you got to wonder, anything from the 50s. Tim, i got to go. The clock's going to take me. I appreciate the call, brother. Be safe out there and keep us posted on the uh, events to rebuild that portion of California. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 number. You know, to go back to Tim for a minute, we all, you know, I don't like to let the gas tank go below a quarter tank in any of the vehicles. I like to start looking for the gas at a half a tank because you don't know when there's going to be a problem. You don't know when you're going to need that full tank of gas. The fires in California... I don't know what maybe saying Southern California, but Northern California, as Tim corrected me. You know, the fires in Northern California were such a magnitude. It's, it's not a common everyday occurrence, but it doesn't take a forest fire like that to create the problems. And it, it really kind of comes back to being prepared. You know what? The Boy Scouts were right. They, they, you, you've got to be prepared. You've got to be a good scout. And that, that could be something as simple as just... Making sure the gas tank is full, uh, you know, before the weekend or, or or before the end of the day or before it gets too low or whatever your timetable is, and you know, to do regular car care and maintenance. Um, the Car Care Council, by the way, carcare.org, carcare.org, has come out with an 80-page car care guide, and it's free. F-R-E-E. This is right in Tom Ray's budget. Um, He can afford this for all his Christmas shopping. Um, A free 80-page car care guide from the folks at the Car Care Council. Get out to carcare.org to get copies of it. Um, You know, it'd be great for, you know, to put in the glove compartment of those young drivers or for the family so that um, they're aware of what it takes to properly maintain a car to be ready for whatever befalls them in, in, in this world of ours and uh, to be safe. Thank you for being with me this hour. I'm Ron Anany of The Car Doctor reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya.